I like that they went, oh, the human body is much like a volcano. In many ways. We don't know what else is. to call it. I think they probably should have had a referendum. Uh, my body is very much like a refer- uh, referendum. <laughs> very yeah, much you're like either a vol- in or you're out. <laughs> the letter E. You're the echolalic Paul Gannon. Uh, echolalia, also known as echologia or echophrasia, is defined as the unsolicited repetition of vocalizations made by another person. So I'll go, oh, that's a nice tree. And you'll go, nice tree, nice tree. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, like a child would do. Yeah, that kid from Dumb and Dumber and the birds in that. You yes, remember? that's right. It's not like in class where the teacher goes, right, sit down. And the kids go, right, sit down. Yeah. It's an instinct. You just don't know you're doing it. Ah. Echolalia is common. Uh, so, like, no offence here. Uh, echolalia. <laughs> here we go. So, prepare to be offended, Paul. Echolalia is common in people with autism. <laughs> right. Thank you. But it's not associated with autism. So, okay. if you're autistic, you're not necessarily going to get it. Just a high number of people with autism have it. Interesting. I know what you're thinking. Somebody that repeats phrases verbatim. Yeah. That's like a parrot, right? It's like a parrot, right? Are parrots echolalic? No, because they don't understand the concept of the words. They're just repeating sounds. Interesting. Interesting that you say that. Why? Uh, research has identified a gene related to autism in zebrafish. I thought you going to say parrots then. <laughs> uh, no, but the idea that it, if we all come from the same gene pool effectively yeah. but from a long time ago, that that kind of repetitive behaviour, that kind of instinctive reaction hmm. could exist in kind of species. Like with monkeys and gorillas, you just they copy you. Animals copy you quite often, those yeah. ones that are very similar to us. I know my cat likes to copy me by staying in bed till midday these days. That is because you have a comfy face. Does your cat lie on your face? No, he's he's more of a crotch kind of cat. Oh, crotch cat. <laughs> the Hanna-Barbera cartoon that never made it Shame. off the drawing board. So you, Paul Gannon, are Echo Lalic. And you are Ecdizziest. Yeah, same to you, my friend. Uh, it's a noun that simply means... It's actually a phrase for a job I didn't know had this word. Okay. An erotic dancer who removes their clothes as a form of entertainment. Or a stripper. So if you are a stripper, you are an ecdizziest. Mate, I do like being naked at yeah. home quite a lot. But you don't like put on I Believe in Miracles and then strut in front of your girlfriend unrobing until the meat and two veg I, roll out. I dance to whatever tune is on the go. It's like the know. Benny Hill theme, as it, <laughs> Grange Hill. As it comes, yeah. I'm yeah. not bothered. Yeah, I love getting naked at home. I mean, why not? Hey, you're in your home. You're in your kingdom. Yeah. You're in your palace. If I was a king, like back in the day, yeah. I would walk around... Like Hugh Hefner, in nothing more than pyjamas. Fair enough. At most. With the gown open. Well, I'm saying if I owned the castle and my gown accidentally came open and there was a group of maidens standing in the corner, I'd be like, and? This is my house. I'll chop your head off, yeah? Yeah. Well, here's the thing about the word. It was coined by Henry Louis Mencken, right? That sounds like a king. Possibly. He was a German-American journalist, satirist, cultural critic, and known in America as the Sage of Baltimore. And the word itself, it derives from the word ectiest. I think I've pronounced that right. Should we get the woman to say it? Should we get the woman to say it? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just do that. Hang on. We'll get a robot to say it better than you. Ectius. Spellcasting. E-C-D-Y-S-I-S. Doesn't matter. You do the research. Look it up. It means the you words... do the research. It's your bit of the podcast. I know. It's just I have a very. St- I found this out all last night, and I thought I need to remember this. So last night I'm in my room going, ectasis, ectasis. But basically, it's the shredding of an outer layer of skin, particularly in things like snakes and animals, molting, yep. the shedding of an exoskeleton in insects and crustaceans. So uh-huh. that's where the word derives from. Yeah, same as th- throwing off your clothes and your pajamas. Yeah. Like that. 
Uh, well, good to know. Thanks. You can come around for a bit of stripping anytime. And this is the Eargasmic podcast. Uh, we all know what an eargasm is. Oh, yeah. When you hear something, a piece of music that makes you go, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Do you have a piece of music that does that to you? Yeah, I do. Let go me on. find it. Hang on. But the two-pack version. No. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously the original. Oh, for me, uh, it is the horn section in Benfold's five-song Army. Whenever I hear that, I get literally pins and needles. Uh, not pins and needles. Pins and needles. I, I, I'm I, literally <laughs> paralysed. <laughs> I, I get goosebumps at the back of my neck. All right, let's hear it then. Oh, I've it. got it. I've actually got it right here. Let me just see if I can find the right bit of it. That is good. Your face was twitching there. I can see you trying I love not this to song. You were trying not to smile a lot. It's it's one of my favourite songs of all time. It goes in my top three easily. Yeah. It can be anything. It could be a piano intro, a bass guitar. There's a list on Reddit of what songs give you eargasms. Give me a yes or no to these. Really. Okay. Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. Is it that one? Yeah. All right, then. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, yeah, I would go with it. Unchained Melody by Il Devo. No, I mean... Honestly, says Hockey Truck 87 crank that shit up and let the jizz flow. <laughs> Unchained Melody? You might be joking. I hope so. Guns N' Roses, November Rain. No, that's a sweet child of mine. What's the, what's Played it? on the stylophone by the sounds of it. Uh, then I don't know what November... November Rain. In the cold November Rain. I don't know it. Like Bon Jovi's I Will Always Love You. Oh, are these ballady things then? That is a ballad. Okay. Cold November Rain. Uh, if you've got a favourite eargasm, let us know. We won't be able to put it in the podcast, but we'd just like to see what kind of taste of music you have. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, eargasm. The sensation you get when hearing a dramatic climax in music. Here we go! This is a dictionary. We do words and stuff. This week, we are on the letter E. You can join in on Twitter, at Thick Podcast. We've got Facebook. You can listen to every single episode. This is the last episode in our Series 1 run. Yeah. So we've done them all now. Got them all out of our system. Yeah, you've got to catch them all. Pokemon. We are the Pokemon of podcasts. I love it. Hashtag, we're having that trademark. (laughs) Uh, You can listen to every episode at Thictionary.com. New thing that we started doing in the last few episodes is a thing that I like to call Cheat, 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 Cheat Cheat Letters. Helping you get better at Scrabble and words with friends. I have a seven-letter E-word for you, Paul Gannon. Okay, I'm writing this down. It'll get you 22 points in Scrabble, 21 points in words with friends. Okay. But what does it mean? Exarchy. Spellcasting. E-X-A-R-C-H-Y. Okay. Like anarchy, but exarchy. E-X-A-R-C-H-Y. But what does it mean? Oh. Hey, you'll find out shortly, but first, this week's dictionary dedicated to a man responsible for elevating the human race. He is called Nathan Ames, and in 1859, Mm. he invented the escalator. In 1859? 1859. Yes, we had electricity back then. Because they had the underground at that point, too. So does that mean there was a few years where the underground had no escalators? Correct. What a horrible thought. Just stairs, my friend. Nathan uh, Ames in Salgus, Massachusetts. Don't ask me to spell cast that. I won't. Invented the moving stairway. Uh, his invention, though, although despite being a moving stairway, was actually called revolving stairs. That's the that's what I love about old words, you yeah. know, for for things we're used to now. Like, <laughs> oh, it's not the bike; it's the cyclone drive. Yeah, Ames, incredible revolving stairs. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, it's designed for the escalator was far ahead of its time, but it was actually never built. 
Oh. Uh, he died in 1860, a year later. The earliest working type of escalator, patented in 1892, was by Jesse Reno. And it was introduced on a, as a novelty ride at the old Iron Pier at Coney Island. Can you imagine that? Ladies and roll up, roll up for the fantastic, <laughs> superb, amazing escalator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good though, when you go to London where there's tons of escalators, you're essentially going on uh, an antique fairground ride. That's fascinating. The also, shit when you get there. Yeah. It's like that Simpsons gag, isn't it, from the monorail episode, where yeah. it's like, and the uh, escalator that goes to nowhere. Yeah. There's just this pe- picture of people going all the way to the top, then dropping off into the void. I know what you're thinking. The two famous escalator brands, where did they come from? Uh, in 1900... I didn't know there were two escalator brands. Well, there is. In 1900, o- next time you go in, look down. I will. I mean, make sure the escalator is there first. Otis... In 1900, their step-type escalator was the was used in public for the first time at the Paris Exhibition. Otis, oh. you, you're, you'll see it now. Yeah. On escalators and even lifts, you'll see Otis. And what about the other lift company that also does escalators? The Pepsi to their Coke. Yeah, Schindler. Schindler's lifts. Yeah, I know. We've all... It, it's Founded in unfortunate, a, isn't it? Weirdly enough, right? Bearing in mind, a guy in Massachusetts in 1859 patented the revolving stairs. The Schindler Group were founded in Switzerland in 1874, 15 years afterwards, way before World War II. I want you to put that out there. Did not get their name exactly. from the movie. You would have to be quite a bad taste monger to go, now, since the Second World War and that Spielberg movie, I want a new brand yeah. of lifts. Final question on escalators. How much does an escalator cost? If you, if you wanted to buy one off the internet, like Alibaba, yeah. how much do you think you'd need to buy an escalator? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure the price goes up. About 10 grand. Just for how many how many steps do you get for that though? I mean, that's like a standard shopping mall style escalator. Maybe if you stopped it, it'd be thirty odd steps, maybe on average. Yeah, I want a tiny one. If you're interested, you want one for your house. You've won the Euro Millions. Ten grand will get you an escalator. Or spend a lot less money and just get a standard chairlift, like I plan on doing as soon as I hit forty. Time for the big four words on the fictionary this week. Letter E. I tell you what, Paul Gannon, would you like to go first? I will, but I will preface this by saying I have two words, obviously, as we always do in this podcast. Yeah. One is lighthearted and funny. The other is really quite dark and heavy. Let's start with the light and fluffy. Do you really want to end with the dark and heavy one? I do. You really will? Yeah. Erectation is my word. Well, that's the light and fluffy one. That's the light and fluffy one. Erectation. 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 E-R-U-C-T-A-T-I-O-N. It is a noun and it means to belch, or in some cases of the use of the word, farting. It can also be used to describe the actions of a erupting volcano. It's a late Middle English word and from the Latin eructation. Uh, Fantastic. Which is almost the exact same from word. From erupting. Yeah. So um, I thought I'd just find some facts out about farts and burps. Great. So when the next time I burp or fart, I can say, excuse me for my, I, I, my eruption. Yeah. I just done an eruption. Exactly. Yeah. I like that they went, oh, the human body is much like a volcano. In many ways. We don't know what else is. to call it. I think they probably should have had a referendum. Uh, my body is very much like a refer- uh, referendum. Refer- no. <laughs> very yeah, much you're like either a in or you're out. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, my, uh, you know what? I was going to make a joke about being a volcano, but I think I've already peaked. I think we got a good with one, that there. one Yeah, let's just leave it at that. So give me some uh, gaseous facts. All right, let's start with the burps. So the longest burp ever recorded... How long do you think the longest burp ever recorded was? 12 hours. Now give me a serious answer. That isn't so flippant <laughs> and sarky. Two minutes. Close. 
but kind of. It is one minute and 13 seconds and 57 milliseconds oh. long and was achieved by Michel Forgioni in Reggiolo, Italy on June 16th, 2009. She must have lost all the air from her body. I, w- I-, I don't even know how you'd not be able to breathe for that amount of time. I worry that like when you burp, you put everything into the first few seconds. Maybe the trick is to... Stretch it out. Slow. Very slowly, slow, yeah. It's probably... I mean, I- I've not heard the offending burp i don't know what her technique is the loudest burp ever recorded shocked me because I, I was thinking all right you can get loud burps homer simpson's burp or ha yeah. ha apparently this one was recorded at 109.9 decibels it's a british record by the way i want to make us proud of that yeah by a guy called paul hun in bogner regis on august 23rd 2009 just for reference yeah. that would make that burp louder than the roar of a motorcycle or a chainsaw i've got it have you? His nickname is the Burper King. Of course he is. <laughs> Here we go. Hold the Guinness World Records title for the loudest burp at 109.9 decibels. <laughs> right, the video of him is shot outside the Houses of Parliament in London, <laughs> and it looks like he just shit himself. <laughs> His face is purple. Man. The thing is, that music that scored it, it made it sound like a Britain's Got Talent sob story. It's horrendous. He did it on TV. Hang on, there's more. My preparations before doing a very loud burp would be, um, maybe the night before, I would have a spicy curry or something like that <laughs> to get the gases going in my stomach. Woo-hoo! On the day of the attempt or demonstration, I will make sure I don't eat so my stomach is nice and empty. I mean, he should go back to school and teach kids this. Should he not? That, that's science. You should leave the school with a good A-level or GCSE, not with the... Do you remember that guy who used to burp like a chainsaw? Uh, we've used up quite a lot of time on it, but let, uh, do you have any other exciting... I have, have a, a fart fact? I have a fart fact for you, and it's a killer, and Will Mead... <laughs> it also gets another E-word. Uh, this n- n- fart guy comes with the word, let's get this right, eproctophilia, which is a term for someone who is sexually aroused by farting. Out of all the people you think that might be, who, which, which famous poet do you think might have been into that? The answer is James Joyce. Oh, interesting. Have you heard this? No. James, jo- James Joyce had a muse called Nora. And Nora, uh, he was crazy about. Uh, he once wrote, I think I would know Nora's fart anywhere, he wrote in 1909. I think I could pick his out in a room full of farting women. <laughs> Good lads. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just read a, a little bit of um, one such piece of uh, romantic prose that yeah. he wrote for her. Fat, dirty farts came spluttering out your backside. You had an arse full of farts that night, darling, and I effed them out of you. Big, fat, fellowy, long, windy ones, merry little cracks, and lots of tiny, naughty farties, ending with a long gush from your hole. James Joyce, poet to the stars. And they say he's hard to read. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, farts and burps. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. My word for you, enchilada. As in the hole. Yes, that uh, idiomatic English phrase, the whole enchilada, which means the whole thing. Yeah. But the enchilada itself, what is an enchilada? The famous Mexican dish. If I were to say to you, Paul Gannon, make me an enchilada, what would you put in it? What it is, is um, specifically. It is uh, the bread that you use in a taco. No, bread. Well, it's not, not I bread. Can't the bread, but it, it's like a, it, it's cheese covered, pressed thing. Cheese on toast is what you're saying. Mexican cheese on toast. <laughs> when you put it that way, actually, yes, it's a Mexican cheese on toast. Isn't it, though? Or is it the meaty one? This is my whole thing, right? Which yeah. would Mexican food, we like it 
We don't know what it is. We know it's tortilla and beef and cheese, but they've all okay. got crazy names. An enchilada is a corn tortilla rolled around a filling and covered with chili pepper sauce. Oh, That's okay. an enchilada. So what was I thinking of then? I don't know. What is a burrito? Well, the burrito is basically the same thing. No. It is. It's a, no. it's a tortilla wrapped in rice and sour cream. Incorrect. What? A burrito is a wheat flour tortilla, not corn. Oh, well, if you're going to be picky. And it's usually wrapped or folded into a cylindrical shape. Yeah. Whereas an enchilada is rolled. Uh, this is wrapped or folded into a cylindrical shape and completely enclosed, usually grilled or steamed. Steaming is specific to the burrito. Yeah, steaming usually is what you get in a restaurant. What is a chimichanga? Uh, three nights in hospital, <laughs> basically. <laughs> it's an a-hole ruiner. It is the uh, is a wrestler from the WWE that <laughs> never about got that. out of development. Chimichanga is a deep-fried burrito. So you can have a burrito, but if you deep fry a burrito, it's not called a deep fried burrito, it's called a chimichanga. But isn't that like an Americanization of that recipe? Like, I don't believe they actually had in Mexico chimichangas, because it was, a, it was a name of a brand of restaurants that dealt in that kind of Mexican food. That's like saying a Big Mac. Like Chipotle and things like that as well. What is ceviche? Uh, he is an Italian footballer. <laughs> there is a dish made from fresh fish that's raw. Ceviche. Oh, that's why I don't know. It's Mexican food. Do fish. What are gringas? Uh, they're the guys who rob you at gunpoint. Gringas are tacos, yeah. which we haven't touched on. Tacos. They're the hard shell. With a, yeah, with a quesadilla base consisting of a flour tortilla and cheese, pork and pineapple. But they're called gringas because the freckles that come up on them are like the freckles that white people have. Oh, mm. I did not know that. What are nachos? Oh, they're the little crisps, aren't they? That they have? <laughs> Doritos. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Doritos are vile, but yeah, they're basically those. They're just corn uh, chips. Yeah, that'll do. But the word you were looking for at the beginning, enchilada, a corn tortilla rolled in a filling and covered with chili pepper sauce. And in a Mexican accent, I presume that's what you were trying to get. Do you know I interviewed Salma Hayek once? Yeah. Oh. And did you go, hello? Hello, everybody, peeps. I'm pretty sure that's uh, Greek. I tra- <laughs> <laughs> So that's why she didn't come to um, Chiquitos with me. Oh, so, okay. That's how it goes. Right. Give me your dark, mysterious word. All right. The word is enigmen. It is a noun, and it's a person who believes to be possessed by the devil or a spirit. It can also mean a frantic and hysterical person. It's from the Latin to mean to influence. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, because you know how my brain works, I am very fascinated with the supernatural. I don't believe in it. I need to always draw that line. I need to always mention that. I don't believe in the supernatural, but I am fascinated by supernatural and the people who investigate it. Yes. Um, there are some very famous cases. Obviously, we all know The Exorcist as a kind of pop cultural touchstone in terms of yeah, the those Am- stories. The Amityville Horror? No, The Amityville Horror is not a possession case. It, uh, the murder beforehand was oh, allegedly... Oh, well, excuse me! The murder beforehand was allegedly <laughs> based on that because he was hearing voices, but the actual possession of the Ham- Amityville House, the haunting, no relation to What about the Enfield haunting? The Enfield poltergeist is a poltergeist and therefore not. Uh, although she was channeling the voice of old Stan, I believe. Yeah, some old bloke. Some old bloke. Um, I'm rubbish at this quiz. Well, there's then a great I'll, Sky programme that I'll actually told it. the Enfield Poltergeist case with uh, Timothy Spall in the role of yes, Morris Gross. I love Very, that. very good. I did love that. Uh, but there were, t- I'll very briefly go through them. There were two very famous stories. Maybe I'll just do one. Just do just do the best one. I'll do the best one, although it is the darkest story. There's a girl called Annalise Michael or Annalise Michelle, uh, I think. Oh, sorry, I just had an eruption. Oh, God. 
she was a controversial case because she is the most well-known and possibly the most tragic of all these cases. And also her case uh, led to a movie called The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is very loosely based on the case of Annalise. Um, she had been treated for epilepsy and mental illness uh, when she was very young. She was 16 when this case happened. Uh, and in 1973, she became suicidal and she rejected all religious artefacts, drank her own wee and began to hear voices. Now, at that point, you'd think maybe she needs medical help. What actually happened is the church got involved and started doing very aggressive, very abusive exorcisms that she went through hell uh, at the hands of these priests. The parents who were looking after her believed the nuns and the priests involved more than the actual medical people involved in the story and so they stopped giving her treatment for her epilepsy and mental disorders uh, within a year she was dead of the abuse what was interesting is the parents and priests were ultimately uh, responsible and charged with negligent homicide in that case it's a fascinating story but heart-wrenching you see pictures of her when she was 16 and a mm. year later she looks withered and beaten and it, it's a tough case and where I have an interest in this is is the fact that there's a thin line between religious belief and then uh, ignoring medical benefits and things like this so even though it's great for Hollywood to tell these stories of uh, based on true stories of uh, possession and things like that in most cases these are tragic stories where uh, the, the, the proper channels have not been followed. And like a minority of cases will be like that but definitely worth highlighting it so people know where the boundaries are. Yeah. But hey, the human race, beautiful, angry, generous, selfish people. Confused. We're a bit of everything. And one last fact for you. Uh, the Vatican, which is one of the most opulent, beautiful places in the world, Been there. has a exorcism ward. And when you go into it... Obviously it does. They have what looks like a cold hospital corridor. Did you not see that episode of Casualty where Charlie disappeared for two weeks to go and work in the exorcism ward at the Vatican? I really didn't. He and disappeared and he came back changed with all these rosary beads. Was he more angry than usual? Yeah, he had a Pope-mobile and uh, <laughs> cigars and everything. Yeah, Pope goes the weasel. Uh, thank you for that. The word was... Enigument. Uh, final E-word from me is emergency walk. Is that when you want to poo your pants and you need to get <laughs> yeah. to the toilet? Is it? <laughs> I just thought I would bring it right back, back down to the level to which we are accustomed. The what you do when you're about to wet yourself or poo your pants. I defy <laughs> anybody listening to this podcast right now to have not done an emergency walk at some point in their life. More specifically, yeah. in some point in their adult life. Yeah, when you're a kid, you can get away with it. Because, you know, it's I more had to, unfortunate. I, I tried to get away with it once. My walk home from high school was like half an hour. Yeah. And there was a Sainsbury's like five minutes uh, uh, from school. And I was dying to go. Left yeah. school and I was like, I'll be fine. Just go to Sainsbury's. Got to the Sainsbury's. It was locked. You can't go back into school. Who goes back into school after it's closed? Right? Uh, no nerds. one. Because it's shut. Yeah. It's done. So I was like, well, now I've got 20 minutes to get home. And I lasted about 17 minutes. <laughs> Oh, that's even worse, though. And we had some bushes on the road next to our road. Yeah. And you know when, you're, you, when you are making the noise? Mm. You're walking and you can hear it gurgling in your stomach. You're bubbling hot, I believe. I was. I was Pato Banton <laughs> and Rankin Roger. I could not hold it any longer. And let me tell you, yeah. when, you when at first you think you can't hold it any longer, you can hold it longer. But there comes a point when you can't hold it. Any, you there just is can't. A point of no return. When you are it? squeezing it back in. Um, <laughs> there is a guide, according to WikiHow, yeah. on how to hold your pee when you can't use the bathroom. Now, this is dangerous. Yeah, I can't imagine that's good for you. Keeping it in is dangerous. People have died really? doing this as 
there was a stunt. I think it was a radio station stunt where it was how long can you hold your Wii for? And you know it, what the prize it was, was? A Wii. A Nintendo Wii. It was yeah. a Wii for a Wii. Yeah. Um, an eye for an eye. A Wii for a Wii. And some woman died because she held it into. Oh, crazy. Um, but apparently, if you want to, if you want to do this, uh, step one, a method one in holding in the urine is to visual. And I want you to try this now. Visualize okay. closing your urethra. And if you don't know what that is, it's the opening to the outside that urine exits your body through. So top of your willy. The pee pipe. Yeah. Number two, reposition your body. You may have to do this several times. Don't press the lower part of your abdomen. Cross your legs while standing does help. Try crossing and uncrossing. Uh, Do not lean forward. Pull the front of your pelvis up or squeeze your abdomen inward. Hang on, does this sound like the the dance move to the time zone? Yeah, the The time time warp. warp, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a step to the right. Number three, pass gas if you have to. Because if you've got a fart, that puts pressure. The gas that it takes builds the up, edge off. Puts, no, the gas. Yeah, it takes the edge off. It puts pressure on your bladder because huh. it because it builds. So actually, if you need a wee, have a fart. Uh, number ten. Don't believe that letting out a little bit of urine can help. No, it won't. It won't. Although I heard there's a thing in the military. Yeah. Where they do the, they play the spot game, and okay. the, the idea is to wear your khaki trousers <laughs> and let out the smallest bit of wee possible. Right. Just literally a spot of wee. That... And the loser is whoever. Well, I think we all know who the loser is. <laughs> Jesus. I think they're all losers. <laughs> You're peeing your pants, guys. Come on. Wow. Yeah. Don't laugh about anything funny. Uh, therefore, this, po- <laughs> this podcast will help you not wee yourself. Hooray. And there are others. Hey, look, WikiHow has them if you want to uh, not do it. But emergency walk is what it's called when you do that really uncomfortable dash where your bladder essentially walks ahead of your groin <sighs> in order to get to the toilet on time. I kind of want to pee right now of all this talk. Time for the results of our cheat letters this week. We're talking for ages. Uh, it is a word that will help you get better at Scrabble and Words with Friends. It will give you 22 points in Scrabble, 21 points in Words with Friends. The word is... X-R-K-E-X-A-R-C-H-Y. E-X-A-R-C-H-Y. Oh, I've been guessing this. I've been writing it down. But what does it mean? Paul Gannon, go. Uh, some kind of... I don't know. It's, it's got something to do with the church? You, uh, it's correct. What? It is loosely correct. I'll, I literally pulled it out of midair. You're thinking like monarchy... Well, X- uh, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. Here we go. X-R-K-E. <laughs> is either a Byzantine viceroy... Oh, from okay. the old days, or an Eastern bishop who ranks below a patriarch and above a metropolitan, specifically the head of an independent church, exarchy. So like L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, Rod Hull. Of course, that was <laughs> my second guess. David Icke, whatever. Yeah. Exarchy will get you a good amount of points as your E-word on Scrabble M words with friends. And that'll do it for this week's episode of The Fictionary. Thank you so much if you've listened all the way through to the bittersweet end. If you're looking for more episodes, we've done the alphabet now. Yeah, what do we do now? I don't know. Uh, we'll find out, I Numbers. guess. Numbers. Check the iTunes <laughs> channel. Yes. <laughs> this show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.